Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I do. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Broken Records, the solo podcast from the Riot Act Network, which is searching low and high for the worst album ever made in the history of music. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by my compadre. Got your sock on your cock? Have your M3 for today's episode? <laughs> M3 Deadman's here? Um, hello, yes. Um, no, my, uh, my, my socks are firmly on my feet. Um, okay. And nowhere else. It's, it's sort of, I mean, as appropriate as that would be in one sense, it sort of is the wrong era for socks on cocks, isn't it? For, it is a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is, it's a little bit. It's. Um, I couldn't, couldn't think of anything from this era. because <laughs> no, this era isn't talked about all that much. I could go upstairs and change if you want me to. Uh, no, it's fine. I'm sure you can manoeuvre it into position as we as we record, if you so wish. Right. Uh, you guys at home, feel free to whack your socks on your cocks. If you don't have a cock, uh, then b- borrow one from your local library. Um, like I say, this is a podcast where we search for the worst album ever made, ever. This is clearly not albums picked by Renfrey and I, just because we hate said album. Otherwise, this album that we're talking about today would be nowhere near the conversation. Um, They are picked, these records, due to critical standing, due to fan reaction, due to commercial um, performance, due to something else sometimes. Something that was just, like, maybe it was just a bad time for the people involved. Uh, Yes, yes, maybe, Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yes. So... One Hot Minute by the Red Hot Chili Peppers we're doing this week. It's a sixth studio album from the funk rock megastars, released on the 12th of September 1995. Before we go any further, I will run down the flop 20. We so far have 48 albums. This will be the 49th album going into the list. 48 records of pretty bad shit, but the 20 worst that we have covered so far run like this starting at number 20 with one more light by lincoln park followed by super collider by megadeth cold chambers chamber music the truth is by theory of a dead man slick dogs and ponies by louis the 14th queen and paul rogers with the cosmos rocks united nations of sound by richard ashcroft the original soundtrack to the movie sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band Eog and Quig off the X Factor's self-titled debut and only record. Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under. Blood, Sweat and Towers by Towers of London. I was actually on YouTube the other day and some old uh, Nevermind the Buzzcock stuff came up and I watched it and I watched Donnie Tourette um, acting the fool mm. and it was quite good. Donnie is smoking now. Brilliant. <laughs> um, God bless Simon. So Anstel. good. He's great. Um, Vanilla Ice, Hard to Swallow, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan, Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, The True Symphonic Rockester with Concerto in True Minor, Double Wide by Uncle Cracker, and still at number one, you won't be surprised to hear it. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. Will that be toppled this week? Don't be absolutely ridiculous, of course. Of course it won't. Um, the lowdown. Uh, before we get started on this record, Renfrey, 
I have, people might go, oh, it's funny that you're already going, oh, don't be silly, because you talk shit about the Red Hot Chili Peppers quite a lot, Stephen Hill. People say to me, you know, that they are often a bit surprised that I'm so harsh on the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because I do... I do dislike them and you people really often do. say to yeah people say to me Steve why do you hate tone deaf self-proclaimed paedophile Anthony Kiedis and his band of middle of the road hippie <laughs> mainstream courting wankers what, why is that and it's hard to say it's hard to say really when you put it in those terms it is hard to know what is there to dislike about the Red Hot Chili Peppers ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear uh, yes, <laughs> yes, quite. Um, I certainly think that One Hot Minute is the Red Hot Chili Peppers album that people who hate Red Hot Chili Peppers like. Mm. Uh, like, just generally, I think that is the case. Uh, because it is a real oddity in their in their back catalogue, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think that is fair to say, one way yeah, or the other. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's definitely fair to say. Um, uh, and I think a lot of this and what's going to happen on this podcast today i think plays into how the band feel about this record and how i feel about this record and how i feel about the band probably how the band feel about me if they were to know how i feel about them probably we're kind of quite diametrically opposed but let's not do too much of a spoiler now we are almost certainly going to do a classic album on our sister podcast, Riot Act, on our Patreon page. We do classic albums over on patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast if you'd like to check us out talking about something in a nice way. And we're probably going to do Blood Sugar Sex Magic at some point on classic albums. Yeah. So, it's on my because list. I know I'm very it's keen. on your list. I think it's actually good as well. Yeah. It's a good album, yeah. um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I won't tell you exactly how good I think it is, but I do think it's good. So I think we should just start from post that record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Where the shit really hits the fan, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yep. basically. They were drug monsters, hard shaggers, partying funk rock superstars at this point they just had the biggest smash hit of their career well done lads all plain sailing from here you'd think but no john frusciante who joined the band for that record uh no he joined for mother's milk uh, for mother's milk sorry yeah he did yeah you're right he left the band very very soon after now that's not ideal is it it's not ideal at all um i do have a little quote here if you'd like from chad smith we should have seen it coming he said uh he was talking to ny rock about frusciante's exit john was 18 or 19 at the time he had no experience what it's like to play in a band let alone a band like red hot chili peppers i'm a huge zeppelin fan and i think i would have freaked as well if i would have been asked to join led zeppelin as a drummer uh it was pretty obvious that it couldn't work out we just didn't see it at the time uh, apart from the comparison to Led Zeppelin there, which I'm sure <laughs> might rankle you a little bit. Uh, although I think he's just talking in terms of size. Yeah, favourite band as well. Yeah, exactly. Frusciante as well actually also said uh, it was too high, too far, too soon. Everything seemed to be happening at once and I couldn't cope with it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he was very, very young. He was having issues himself, dealing with quite a bad uh, heroin habit. Joe Frusciante was definitely not ready to be in a band that exploded that much. I mean, Chili's were relatively big when he joined for Mother's Milk, but mm-hmm. then Blood Sugar Sex Magic sent them stratospheric. So Huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely huge. Um, they uh, There's a quote, actually, that I found from John Frusciante when he joins, like, you know, kind of 
seven, eight years later when he said, um, there wasn't a single incident that I could put my finger on and say, this was it. It was just hard for me to cope with it all. You've got to remember that I was an absolute Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Their music meant everything to me. And all of a sudden, I was part of them. They called me Greeny because I was the youngest, but I didn't do, but that didn't do it. I don't know what did it. I probably tried to fit in, make experiences the others made in a long, in a long time in a short time so he was sort of playing catch up and when you think around this time also we should say Anthony Kiedis not that long after the release of Blood Sugar Sex Magic had to go into rehab Um, there are nods to you know famously kind of uh, Flea was with River Phoenix when River Phoenix died outside the Rainbow Club um, in Los Angeles a few years later as well and kind of references made to that on on this record Mm -hmm. and you know they were just surrounded by people who were a little bit um uh too it's a little bit it's all a little bit much in it i would say for me like i like a couple of beers i might get by a by, like a big bar of dairy milk afterwards after i've had a couple <laughs> of beers, and I eat that as well but i wouldn't do loads of heroin I was about to say. Personally. Are, are you trying to say that your addiction to dairy milk and, and uh, a couple of beers Cream is eggs. the same thing? <laughs> Cream eggs is the same. No, I'm just saying that like I don't think I'd fit in in that world that the Red Hot Chili no. Peppers were currently inhabiting in. I'm not sure many people, many sort of regular people would. No, no, no. I don't think so either. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, the, only th- uh, the only thing that I will say, which I'm not sure if, um, or, or it sounds like you're sort of inferring otherwise, because I was under the impression, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but I was under the impression that Anthony Kiedis was clean um, for five years prior to this record. So when you say they're all, do- like, I think members of the band were still doing that stuff, but just in the in the, in the interests of being as accurate as possible. I was under the impression that Anthony Kiedis has, had kicked his habit, you know, I, I don't know, let's say 89, something like that. And then he'd been clean five years and then the, something happened, which basically made him, um, basically made him... Relapse. Relapse. Thank you. That was what I was talking Yeah, about. we're probably getting okay. a, far, a bit far further okay. into it. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I, I watched... Now, one of the things when John Frusciante leaving the band is their quite disastrous Saturday Night Live performance um, that they did in 1991. Have you seen that, Renfrew? 1992, no. I think it was, actually. Okay, right. What did they right. do? What did they... What they did... Uh, they did Under the Bridge and they did Stone Cold Bush on Saturday Night Live. Oh. And um, Frusciante... Um, kind of Kiedis says he was deliberately out of time out of tune and deliberately rubbish to kind of alienate himself from the band Um, I watched it fuck me it's rubbish but I mean I think Anthony Kiedis has got a bit of a nerve for ragging on John Frusciante for being out of tune Um, (laughs) which I guess is just the sort of usual performance of Anthony Kiedis But, um, but fuck me it is a fucking mess, that performance. An absolute mess. There is a bit with the usual bit where you know it comes in and he goes, Under the bridge of town yeah. is where I do some... John Frusciante just goes, Over the top of it. <laughs> and then at the end bit, when it's supposed to be like all nice and quiet and stuff, he just does a massive solo. Just does a massive like... Like for no reason, for no reason at all. He looks really miserable. Um, It is fucking awful. It is fucking awful. He deliberately sort of 
fucks up the first bit, which makes Anthony Kiedis sound out of tune. Although, luckily, because it's Anthony Kiedis, you can't tell. Um, and then I watched him do Stone Cold Bush as well, which is a bit better. But at the end, but Frigiani's just standing there with a sort of cigarette in his mouth, looking glum. And at the end of the song, Anthony Kiedis just kicks him. Just kicks him. <laughs> okay. Just gives him a little kick. On, on uh, television. So, yeah, lovely On stuff. television. Live um, on television as well? Saturday Night Live. Live on, of live on live. television. <laughs> live from New York. <laughs> I was about to go. Saturday Night Live was live, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And it was on a Saturday night. Uh, yes. It's quite an early in the morning. Apologies. Yes, yes, exactly. It was live. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he just kicked him up the arse, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he did kick me up. And one day, John Frusciante went, he did kick me up the arse. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, Father Ted, Father Ted, yeah, better than Brass Eye, isn't it? Like, to do, yeah, we do too many Brass Eye ones, so we're 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 up in it <laughs> to Father Ted. Um, but regardless, you know, you are basically looking. It's like no matter how awkward it was, the biggest rock band of the time, pretty much. Red Hot Chili Peppers, I would say one of. You know, obviously there were a lot. One of, there, of, there was yeah. there was the Pearl Jams and Nirvanas, but the Chilies were very much Guns up there. Guns and Roses and the Metallicas. The Guns and Roses and the Metallicas, mm. yeah. Mm. But Chilies were like on a par but Chilies with those were, bands. Yeah, I definitely think Chilies were, yeah, yeah, on a par, yeah. Yeah. And their prodigal guitarists that they had found to kind of help them navigate the madness of mainstream success had massively blown up in their face. And this is only a year after the record as well. Mm. should say, like, this is only a year after Blood Trigger Sex Magic comes out. Mm. That's quite a fuck up. Like that is quite a fucking hard thing to deal with, right? It's a monumental fuck up, and and now might be a good time for me to express. And I hope I won't. Um, I don't know. I might get a little bit of. Um, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you'll feel about this or not. But one thing I will say about John Frusciante is, you know, when we talk about chemistry and bands, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot. Like on paper, there's a lot wrong with red hot chili peppers i mean the big one being anthony kiedis um but there's something about john frusciante and the way that he locks in with the rest of those musicians which i do think can honestly get some very special results but i think you do hear that a lot on blood sugar sex magic i think chemistry Mm -hmm. is very very important when it comes down to like why red hot chili peppers are revered in lots of ways um and um yeah obviously they'd had that for a very very short period of time on two studio albums and then it all sort of yeah the fact that it started all fucking up it was actually quite a monumental issue because it's not even like John Frusciante isn't like a showy player or anything like that um he's certainly not showy in the way that his replacement was or anything like that but i think the chemistry was a vital part of the chilies around that time mm. do you think that's fair that's fair i think so yeah cool. yeah definitely you know most of the material as we were discussing a little bit was written through jam sessions exactly. which came across quite quickly because that chemistry was so strong exactly um so red hot chili peppers massive band suddenly you're trying to promote this record which is huge sold seven million copies you- yeah, your guitarist has left. Um, Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction, formerly of Jane's Addiction at this point, was asked to join the band. He was having his own drug problems. He was doing a number of Jane's Addiction-related 
things like post Jane's Addiction related things. So he said no. So off went the Red Hot Chili Peppers to find a guitarist who would replace Freshanti. Firstly, hiring Eric Marshall of Martial Law, who I don't know. Martial I, I Law, know. Do you know? I, like Eric Marshall is someone who I've like vaguely heard of, but I, I think probably I've only heard of him because of this period. But no, I don't know much about Martial Law. I have to confess. No. No, I don't either. Um, he played their headline set at the Lollapalooza in 1992. He was also in the videos for Breaking the Girl and If You Have to Ask from Blood Sugar Sex Magic as well. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. okay, fair enough. Um, they fired him when he started saying, because he started saying he was too busy to turn up for rehearsals. Too busy? <laughs> what are you doing, mate? You're in like the biggest, coolest rock band in the world. What are you too busy? You're doing, what are you too busy, are you, mate? We've got a school run, have you? <laughs> Like, what, you weed in the garden? I've just been weeding the garden. It's a fucking pain in the ass, but you're too busy. I can't today, lads. What could you possibly be doing? To be honest, I think even you would find any excuse possible not to play with those people if you could. Mate, no, no, Blood Sugar Sex Magic here or Chili Peppers, if you asked me to be in a band, I'd yeah. be in the band. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah so would I. Fucking mm. hell, yeah. I'd have uh, dairy milk on the rider rather than heroin, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> but... You know, um, to be fair, so <laughs> would I. <laughs> so that's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so after he left, the band held auditions for a new guitarist, uh, including Buckethead, who Flea was like, "Oh no, 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 no way!" No. Yeah, Buckethead. You're throwing a load of stuff at me that I didn't know about. That's awesome. Mm. I, yeah, I mean, didn't... how that that would not have worked, no. <laughs> but. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, they eventually hired Jesse Tobias of Mother Tongue again. Don't know who that is. Right. No. no. Um, I do know Sacred Mother Tongue. I think that's different, though. I think that's different, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was kicked out almost immediately. And the band were frustrated. Around this time, they bumped into Dave Navarro again. And they moaned about not being able to find the right guitarist. Now, I have a book about the Red Hot Chili Peppers that my mum got for me um, back in the day, back in the 90s. And I found it. And there is a quote from Dave Navarro. <laughs> wow. Well, it's it's... It's a quote taken from Dave Navarro from Flea, who said they bumped into Dave Navarro and Flea was going, oh, God, we really can't find another guitarist. And Dave Navarro went, the only person who can replace John Frusciante is me. I'm the only person who can replace him. And Flea was like, but you've already said no. And he was like, yeah, I know. Gutted. (laughs) And then he went, well, do you want to join then? And he went, ah, yeah, go on then. I, so I, I've just realised I've been pulling a face for the last 10 minutes. Which You've been pulling a face, yeah. For the last 10 seconds, which doesn't really work on uh, on a podcast medium. I suppose only because of um, that feels like it ever so slightly contradicts things which uh, Navarro says later. Um, but, you know, hey, if Lee says he said it, then that's just that's just one account of what was said, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? I yeah well yes i do know what you mean mm. but also i think it's probably dave navarro being like yeah 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 you've asked me and you were right to ask me because i'm the best <laughs> maybe i mean to give navarro credit he is fucking great um yeah. very well we'll get into this certainly um but it's an unusual thing to say because uh <laughs> forgive me for pointing out the obvious but dave navarro is a very different guitarist to john frusciante isn't he he is a very different guitarist to John Frusciante 
Very different. Very but, different. Very, but, very, very, very different. Which is why I, that sounds like a bonkers thing to say, you know. Mm, I think I can kind of... Maybe he was talking about, like, because he is obviously used to... He would probably look at those guys and look at Perry Farrell and Stephen Perkins and go, yeah, I guess we're kind of similar sorts of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can... It's it's a weird one because you can, you can see certain through lines... They're quite vague, but you can see certain through lines between Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction. But there's also startling differences, which you know. Mm. To be honest, I, I won't, we won't get into it yet. But which, to be honest, I think this record shows. Um, and some people think that that's this record's strengths, and some people think it's its weaknesses. I think it's somewhere in between, which we'll get onto. Um, but uh, yes, it's it. Uh, you know, they're very very different and the, the, there's a there's a very common quote of, from david navarro around this time which i'm sure we'll get into later which does kind of make me go well that's probably the reason why you're not a great guitar player for the red hot chili peppers uh for but yeah we'll go on to that but eventually they did have some productive jam sessions <laughs> i'm glad they had some well well they were they were initially apparently they were okay. initially and that's why he agreed to join the band okay okay uh he made his debut during their woodstock 1994 show where they all wore light bulbs on their heads because oh, yeah. they are wacky <laughs> and they also headlined Reading in 1994 i would have liked to have seen that to be fair um by that point, they had entered the studio to create what would be the follow-up to Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, Navarro almost immediately questioned the methods that the Red Hot Chili Peppers used to create music. That being, as we mentioned, endless jam sessions uh, were the way that they used to write. And he was also not a fan of either funk or jamming. Hmm. This, this, Ergo. This... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this being the major thing that I'm referring to in terms of they're very different. Very, yeah. very different. Cut. Kind of weird that they did eventually get him to join the band. To be fair, it's but I think it's I I think it's uh, that kind of bravado on Dave Navarro's part to go. I am a brilliant guitarist. We're from LA. We're from this alternative scene. We're all showy motherfuckers. Yeah. I've got my nipple piercing. You've got your top off. You've got a sock on your on your cock. I've got Carmen Electra on my cock um, <laughs> sometimes, and uh, he did for a bit. I'm sure that's how Carmel Electra would like to be remembered, I'm sure. Being on David Navarro's cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I wouldn't not like to be remembered that way. <laughs> I think if you've, if you've been on David Navarro's cock, you've had a fucking... That is a story to tell. <laughs> it's also not untrue, so it's fine. But yeah, no. and he is a handsome gentleman. He's a, he's a very handsome gentleman. Kiedis was struggling also, not just with Navarro's methods, although he was definitely struggling with that. Uh he was sort of bemoaning that songs would come fully formed when Frusciante in the band and with Navarro it was a far longer process he said John Frusciante had been a true anomaly when it came to songwriting he made it even easier than Hill Slovak to create music even though I'd known Hill for years I just figured that that was how all guitar players were that you showed them your lyrics and sang a little bit and the next thing you know you had a song that didn't happen right off the bat with Dave um, so not only was he struggling with jamming and with creating these songs and working with Navarro initially He'd also been struggling with actually singing. Now, you can insert your own joke here, but we won't. Um, but he'd become dependent on Valium after a dental procedure, which caused a relapse in his, sobriety, in his sobriety, and he became drug dependent once again. So he was struggling with actually being able to sing, um, and this kind of led to a lapse in 
uh, in Kiedis taking as much interest in the band and he got back into all the bad shit that he was doing before, mm. which is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, well, a bit of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, not good. Mm. Particularly a bit of a bummer because it led to Flea taking more of a lead in the band and his role as a songwriter and vocalist was magnified. Uh, he took the lead on the song P, which I'm sure we will talk about uh, in a little bit. Um, why not minute? Due to kind of all of this, I think it's fair to say famously is an angrier and sadder version of what the Red Hot Chili Peppers had come to do before. Navarro adds a lot of rock and metal influences to the band. Kiedis was in a much more reflective mood. Can I just pick up? I keep reading over and over and over again that Navarro adds all these metal influences to like, and like it's, you know, it's on the Wikipedia, but it was also on a Loudwire article I read, and it was on a Southampton University uh, article that I I saw, which was defending this record not very well, I have to say. Um, do you hear metal on this album at all, or do you think that's people who don't know what metal is saying there are metal influences on this record because it's a bit heavier than the other Red Hot Chili Peppers records? If Kiss and Motley Crue and Van Halen are metal, then yes. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. Mm. And they kind of are, right? Mm, like, yeah, I suppose so. The very, yeah. very, very, very soft ends of metal. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, right, still... fair enough, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you get songs like Warped and Transcending, which talk about drug problems, and Tearjerker, which is about the death of Kurt Cobain, my friends, being a little bit more depressing than some of the Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff previously. Yeah, Socks on Cox seems very far, far away on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to show sort of how difficult, different the attitude of the band was, um, the single they released to showcase the new lineup and this album was Warped, and the video featured Kiedis and Navarro kissing at the end of the video. Have you seen that video? Um, I haven't, but I know I know uh, it's very... Con- well, it was very controversial because um, a lot of America is homophobic. <laughs> yes, Can I well, say that? Le- yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is true. Well, that, well it, it, it was proved to be true because the, the label dropped the video, said we're not showing that. It's literally, I watched the video and it's literally at the end of the song, when the song's kind of just fading out, Kiedis and Navarro have a snog. And due to homoerotic imagery they believed it wouldn't get played on MTV the Mm. band refused to back down and argue with their label until they got their own way but the backlash put this kind of newly sort of formed let's call it the jock element of their fan base had a backlash against the Red Hot Chili Peppers for that the kind of people that as Dave Grohl describes them you were beating me up for listening to this music a few years ago yeah Um, absolutely this this is the thing this is the thing with getting um really really big isn't it you, you, you then suddenly when you become absolutely ginormously massive as a band you attract people that you don't necessarily want to attract i will say fair play to red hot chili peppers for sticking to their guns and going ahead with it anyway and it was just they only did it because they were bored on the shoot didn't they it wasn't like planned yeah. or anything like that they were just pissing no. about and bored so you know anthony kiedis in a, in a rare moment of me being positive about Anthony Kiedis, he says, if they don't like that and can't accept it, then we don't need them. Yeah, Good for them. Good for them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So broadly, that is how One Hot Minute kind of came about. Uh, let's have a look at some of the reviews for the record. Q gave it four stars and said the Peppers worked their own little patch with considerable expertise. The incoming Navarro rarely fails to deliver the goods, and up front, the taut ball of energy going by the name of Antikidist still makes for a suitably rubbery-lipped front man, if not exactly a lovable one. Yes, that's <laughs> very true. Very accurate. <laughs> that, that Q review, I would say. 
Yeah, um, The Enemy gave it 6 out of 10. Unfortunately, I cannot find a review for that. Rolling Stone gave it 4 stars uh, and said, Fake Heartbreak is a top 40 staple. It's usually carried out by Michael Bolton-esque histronics. On the other hand, Real Heartbreak, open brackets, Think Joy Division, close brackets, just showing off and what he likes Joy Division, uh, <laughs> tends to be quiet. It kind of sneaks up on you and then grabs you and then sticks you with you for the rest of the day. On one hot minute, Transcending has that quality. Gorgeously chancy, anguished, undulating rhythm, loops, crescendos, and wraparound lyrics about death that are both weirdly spiritual and raging. All this from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the sloppy punk funk trope that rose to fame wearing tube socks on its dicks. One whole minute dives into the emotionally deep end of drug addiction and loss. Themes the Chili Peppers first touched on on their biggest hit today under the bridge from their 1991 mega platinum wonder Blood Sugar Sex Magic. For these guys, seriousness turns out to be a lot more liberating than any misadventure. Before their original guitarist Hiddle Slovak's 1988 accidental overdose death, the Peppers' gleeful insanity often masked their broad and fluent musical vocabulary including bassist Flea's interest in jazz and classical music. Now their belief in the power of jamming, innovation and spontaneity is fully unleashed. One Hot Minute is a ferociously eclectic and imaginative disc that also presents band members as more thoughtful, spiritual, uh, even grown up. As after 10 year plus career, they're realising their potential at last. Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus score, saying a few times as on the all moshed up with nowhere to go single warped they fall back on tired frat funk flop sweat and some of these songs last a little too long and could have benefited from trimming still how many bands alternative or otherwise sound better after more than a decade not many which makes the growing pains of one on minute seem like a well-earned merit badge and who knows maybe the group will start wearing enough clothes that they'll have some place to pin those badges on too don't really know what that last bit means. Well, it's referring to the socks on cocks thing, isn't it? Oh, yes, sure. Um, the LA Times gave it two out of four. Four? Don't know why four, but two out of four. Saying, working again with producer Rick Rubin, bassist Flea and Navarro make an impressive combo with Flea's spontaneity and Nirvana's spacey, cool ebb and flow making the music hit innovative yet cohesive heights a la the Beastie Boys. But when the music stumbles into old chili pepper territory, think clumsy funk, it feels as awkward as a grown man trying to squeeze into his high school football uniform. The other problem is singer Anthony Key he often attempts to sing really sing and inevitably stumbles his effective voice is downright embarrassing when he shouts things like hey girl with a faux street savvy and no matter what persona he takes on sensitive ballad singer cool funkster or anxious ex-punker he's always unbelievable kiedis is no lyrical giant either crooning lines such as love and music can save us the addition of Avaro make this the chili's most versatile album yet but with kiedis stunted vocals and lyrics in tow it's not enough the Guardian gave it three stars. Mojo gave it four. I believe it got 4Ks in Kerrang! as well. All Music gave it a score of five out of ten, saying Navarro's metallic guitar shredding should have added some weight to the Chili Peppers' punk-inflected heavy guitar funk, but it tends to make it plodding. And Robert Christogu, our old mate, just gave it a bomb emoji, which is a dud rating, apparently. I mean, that would be good now, you fucking idiot. But yeah, he couldn't be bothered. Like, like everything, he couldn't actually be bothered to review it, so he just put a little thing. So, but he's the greatest music oh, journalist of all time. Music he must be incredible. Yeah, oh, he's using a bomb. Yeah, it, it reached number four in the US Billboard Top 200. Number two in the UK. Went to number one in Sweden. Went to one, number one in New Zealand and Finland and Australia. Um, also, it was the top five hit in Austria, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Norway. Uh, went top ten in Scotland and Canada as well and it has gone on to sell 
2 million copies in America, that's two times platinum. 100,000 copies in the UK, that's gold. Um, in Europe, it's sold a million copies, it's gone platinum. That's um, platinum in France, 300,000. Platinum in Japan, 200,000. Platinum in New Zealand, 15,000. And uh, two times platinum in Australia is 140,000 units. So it's some way down on the the 7 million plus that Blood Sugar Sex Magic sold. I believe it sold around half of what Blood Sugar Sex Magic and, you know, uh, sold. And, you know, Chili Peppers are on Warner Brothers. And I think they would have been very disappointed by that. Um, to give them some credit, it's very difficult to keep that momentum for you know seven million copies that's a lot even back in the mm-hmm. early 90s that's a lot the of four copies. year gap back then was a long four fucking time it was a very long time very 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 long time um so yes um i also just very quickly wanted to say and just point out or ask you as well um there's some you know very good scores there um some of which i'm sure you'll agree with some maybe not but let's not forget as well of course that you know we've discussed in the past like how big big bands just tend to get big scores for things do you think that was the case back then as well or do you think the press cared less about that sort of thing back then i think it's hard to say mm. i think it's hard to say for this because i think the red the, the red Hot chili peppers were not cool by 1995 so much really no no you know, they they were kind of especially you know in this country they definitely felt like they were a little bit less cool than they would have been in 1991. Um, it's been a long time. Away. So I think there's this kind of weird balancing act between the record itself, plus the expectation levels for the record itself, plus the long time gap, and maybe wanting... Some people would want to give it a backlash. Some people would want, would want to go, oh my God, they're back, they've mm-hmm. returned. Yep. It's So it's really, really hard to know. But yeah, I think those sort of things tend to like balance themselves out. And I think... Um, there's some good reviews there. I mean, this obviously, this record is not here because of the reviews. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, even the ones that aren't great aren't scathing. Absolutely, yeah. And we've had records here before where, I mean, you know, Uma Gumma by Pink Floyd tended to be fairly well reviewed, mm-hmm. but the band themselves hated it. And, yeah. you know, um, but, but there we go. Um, so anyway, that's the kind of context around it. But Renfrey... What do you think about the best Red Hot Chili Peppers album, <laughs> One Hot Minute? Um, the main takeaway that I have from re-listening to this record, and it's a really long time since I'd heard this record, um, and actually some of the things, we were discuss- uh, discussing this uh, privately just before we uh, went to Bloodstock, and there were some things that I said there that um, actually I've realised are totally wrong. I remember saying mm. to you there that, well, there's not a lot of funk on One Hot Minute, is there? And I misremembered that completely. There's fucking loads of funk on One Hot Minute. Yeah, way yeah. more than I'd remembered. But the main takeaway I have from One Hot Minute is that it is probably, for me, the most frustrating Red Hot Chili Peppers album in a career full of quite frustrating records, to be totally honest. Um for me the reason for that is because a lot of it is the red hot chili peppers trying to be weird there's a lot of bits that are put in for the distinct purpose of being strange and odd and weird and kooky and wacky maybe in my opinion i can't see any other reason 
why they would have included those bits some i'm sure are already springing to mind in your minds some may be a little bit less obvious but whether that's intentional or not the problem is is in my opinion they're just not very good at being weird they're just not very like i mean you compare it to say i don't know primus or 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 Mr. Bungle. Bungle or System of a Down or whatever you know bands who do that like slightly off kilter weird thing and do it really well. Red Hot that's not where Chili Peppers' strengths lie, and I think sometimes when they try to be weird on this record, in my opinion, they just sound amateur. Um, and it's just not the band that they are. So. Can I have some examples that are not P, please? Of course. Um, the bookends of Deep Kick. Now, Deep Kick is a fucking brilliant song. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. It's The song itself is really mm-hmm. good. But it is bookended by this rubbish spoken monologue thing that Anthony Kiedis starts the song with, uh, which is basically about him and flea as childhood friends and the stuff that they got up to and things like that and then dave navarro is doing a very psychedelic jane's addiction bit which could have come straight off of um uh richard de la habitual previous classic album um which is great i kind of wish anthony Kiedis would just shut the fuck up so i can hear dave navarro um as a matter of fact i feel that way on a lot of the record, uh, I wish I wish uh, Kiedis would shut up so I could hear Dave Navarro because Dave Navarro is not the problem with this record at all. Dave Navarro is the fucking star of this record, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but um, that weird kind of... Yeah, that weird monologue-type thing at the beginning of Deep Kick, which goes on for a good... It's at least a minute. It might even be a minute and a half, and it's completely and utterly fucking unnecessary. Then Deep Kick kicks in and is fucking excellent and then at the end of it flea comes i'm that is flea right doing the bit at the end and he is completely out of tune and it sounds rubbish it's awful (laughs) and 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 i I can't i'm gonna defend that bit in a second okay i'm actually gonna defend that bit in a second but go on good luck i can't believe rick rubin is kind of famous for being a producer who kind of comes in, sits down, listens, and then gives notes, and then buggers off again, right? Now, to be fair, I'm like, you know, some people find that an annoying thing that he does and say that he's not very hands-on, blah, blah, blah. I think Rick Rubin's track record, particularly in the early days, is pretty fucking fantastic. So that, that obviously worked for a lot of people. But when I hear bits like that, on the record i just wonder i just think to myself why why mr rubin did you not go maybe don't do that bit <laughs> um but i mean let's hear your defense i do have other examples but let's hear your defense before we uh, my defense at the end of deep kick is it's like exhaling at the end of the song i think it sounds Flea is hilariously out of tune and deliberately hilariously out of tune. But it Do you is think like it's deliberate? Because I, I wasn't sure if it was. Oh, deliberate. it is definitely. It has okay. to be deliberate. Oh, it has to so. be. 
it has to be their little kind of like and you know like you say the song is about them as friends and stuff like yeah. and i think you know the first bit with keith you know he is incredibly and keith is incredibly po-faced flea is not right and i think the end bit of that is like the first time i heard it is it was really jarring but then i sort of thought to myself i don't think this is meant to be taken particularly like like much of the red chili peppers material this is not meant to be taken that seriously and i think it weirdly sat it sort of sets them apart there are bits on this record that i understand that people might hear for the first time and go what were you thinking that is really weird that is a really weird dumb thing to do the crying at the end of the baby crying over the top of one big mob right one big mob <laughs> is one of the, well so that that was going to be another one of my examples yeah, yeah. because one big mob one of the best songs oh, yeah, oh, on yeah. this record. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Fucking like, such a good song. And Navarro is just amazing on it. It's actually, I was just looking in the credits. Um, and it's, I, it, I believe it is actually Navarro's child, Baby, who is uh, crying because mm. it says uh, yeah, Baby Gabriel James Navarro cried on One Big Mob. And it sounds, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but it sounds like uh, the baby's crying through a monitor as well. So it's kind of like, crappily recorded yeah. as well and it's just irritating and it's just it's choices like that that are made where i can't think of any reason why they would make them except f- just to make it a bit weird or a bit unusual or a bit off kilter but that that is not where the chili's strengths lie at all that is not it's not good and it's no i mean it's so annoying because that song's brilliant yeah. You know? And and this album... I, I mean I I have listened to it so many times that I could kind of I could sing the baby's crying at this point I think. I was going now, to I don't ask know... you about that because that's the difference between you and I with this record because One Hot Minute is always a record which you know I own this record and it's always been a record that I've put on listened to and then got frustrated with because of these elements and then I've not listened to it again for like 5 years but it sounds like you for whatever reason persevered with it and those annoying bits i was going to ask you if if you even hear those annoying bits now or if you're able to just kind of filter them out or see them as a part of the record or whatever and i can understand how if you did persevere with this record that could happen but it's just irritating Mm. that they're there in the first place because i think as much as you like this record i think we could both agree it'd probably be a better record if those bits weren't on it uh, yeah, I mean, it's an hour and one minute long. It's yeah. 61 minutes, this record. I would say the annoying things that you're talking about probably last... I, it, it, there's maybe five minutes of annoying stuff on here. That's true. Um, it, it, the, um, yes. Um, what's, what's annoying, though, is they're so frequent. They are relatively short when they happen. Um but it does feel like the album doesn't go five minutes without an annoying thing happening. So are you annoyed constant. by the by the children coming in an aeroplane? Yes. Are you? Okay, because yes. I was going to say again, like, children's choir, never a good idea. I think the children's choir in aeroplane sounds really good because it's backed by this funk thing. Now, here's, here's the sort of... Okay, um, I'm going to change tack slightly and I'm going to sort of defend, just def- outright defend this record. Mm-hmm. What is the elevator pitch for the red hot chili peppers what is the thing that you go like tom dare came on he's like what's the elevator pitch for, for megadeth what's the elevator pitch for red hot chili peppers you don't have to answer i will answer that for you it was a hypoth- it was a uh, hypo- hypothetical no, a hypothetical or that question whatever what the fuck is it called uh not a hypothetical no, a, not hypothetical, it? uh it doesn't matter fuck it it was i've got the answer basically <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh the answer would be 
psychedelic rock mixed with funk. Jimi Hendrix meets Sly and the Family Stone. Now, they've done they've done the Sly and the Family Stone bit loads and put a bit of some sort of rock in. But they add Dave Navarro to the mix and that's the first time you go, oh, there's the actual psychedelic bits. There's the actual hard rock bits in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There they are. That thing that you promised us that you were going to be. And, you know, you listen to Uplift Mofo Party Plan, you know, any of those real early stuff. I don't think those albums are great records, they're, but they are a bit sort of, they're more kind of punky than they are kind of rocky, I would say. Yeah. But here, but, but you know, they, they are kind of a more aggressive thing. But here, I think the chilies that, you know, like you say, there's still loads and loads of funk in it. Like, listen to like Walkabout and um, that kind of wah-wah guitar and strut on that. It's proper like, I mean, that's not even one of the best songs on the record. Anywhere near one of the best songs on the record, I don't no, think. Walk no, about. I wouldn't even say it's a very good song. <laughs> Do you not? I mean, no. I, it's probably, I would say I'm weirdly bringing it up because it is one of my least favourite songs on the album. But that has got a like, you know, it, it sounds like a 70s cop show. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've got the funk thing, but then you add in all the other stuff. I mean, I think Warped is like to go through it kind of trap which i think deep kick yeah not that keen on i'm always like come on let's get going mm. and it and then when it does it's amazing it is yeah. my friends is better than under the bridge um do you know what Just i is. i see my friends i i view it more as a version of breaking the girl and i don't think it's as good as breaking the girl i think I think breaking the girl's crap to be honest but really yeah come on Breaking the Girl is one of the best ballads Chili Peppers have ever done. Look, I, I don't mind my friends at all. Like, it's fine, but it's 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 no Breaking the Girl at all. I think Break. I, I like. I mean, I, I used well, I used Under the Bridge because it's the biggest one, and I think it. I think my friends is better than Under the Bridge. I wouldn't even have that conversation about Breaking the Girl because I think Breaking the Girl's that percussion breakdown so overrated Breaking the oh, Girl that's an amazing song I mean yeah uh, I, I think it's one of, it's one of like when we get to that in a classic album I want to be like there are a few songs that are spectacularly overrated on this record and Breaking the Girl would be way way up the top of that yikes like I'd skip that if I put that album on I would skip Breaking the Girl oh I don't want to listen to I it. mean it's one of my favourite songs on that record so is it really yeah so mm. we disagree on that yeah but uh I, I, my friends is a perfectly decent tune i think they've done better versions of it in the past and i think actually they've done better versions of it after this record as well yeah i i don't dislike it i just think they've done it better before no and after. I, this is the best version of them doing that they've ever done in their career it shits on scar tissue it shits on under the bridge it's the best one they've done uh warped great like that's a mad fucking oh bass coming in mm-hmm. keys a bit annoying i love that like hearing that massive like funk breakdown over these kids going my airplane my airplane my air. and then the massive dave navarro riff coming in i was just like that's just a really unusual thing um particularly like you know usually when you use kids choirs you do it on the, the chorus you kind of let a chorus go behind it or you make them the sort of big thing but it just was like these kids have sort of wandered into the studio and are like singing along and they go fucking have this massive funk freak out in the middle of it i think it's that's brilliant aeroplane's amazing it, it's an unusual thing i i bet as i as i said at the top of this i'm not sure if red Hot chili peppers are very good at being unusual 
Yeah, yeah I don't, and I don't even think it's unusual in like like wacky isn't even what I mean when I say unusual. I think it's like I think no. it's just like oh, that's a different sort of thing. I, I think unusual is a better word for it in in that, that yeah. particular instance. I don't think they're very good at being unusual. <laughs> I just don't mm. think they are. I think aeroplanes brilliant. Deep kicks great. My friends are great. Coffee shops brilliant as well. Peas weird. Like pea is the one where you go. Don't need this really. Yeah. It's sort of funny for it's only ninety or 100 it's 1 minute 47 so it's not very long it's and it's flea dicking about too but it's long. silly <laughs> it's definitely yeah. too long and it's only a minute and a half um yeah it's um i i mean peas too uh fish in a barrel for me i think but come on like no one can defend pea can they really no not really no i can't say that, that this album needs that um one big mobs like is awesome as we already talked about i think walkabout is one of the weaker songs but it's great I think I think Walkabout shows why... Da- so Dave Navarro, I think he probably... Like, Dave Navarro is an amazing guitarist and probably just thought, well, I'm not really a big funk guy, but I can pick it up. And he can pick it up because he is a great guitarist. But I think if Frusciante was doing Walkabout, I think it'd be twice the song that it is. Because if 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 you're not into a style, you're never going to be able to do it as well as someone who really fucking loves a certain style. And I think Walkabout is definitive proof of that. I think Walkabout is a perfectly, a completely and utterly average funk song. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's one of my least favourite songs on the record, to be mm. fair. Mm. Mm. Probably my second least favourite song on the record after P. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I would say. Tearjerker is the Kurt Cobain one. I, again, like, I think this is you, this is a bit of a weak point in the record, personally. Mm. Tearjerker's not that great either. I can't really defend Anthony Kiedis' appalling performance on it. Exactly, and that has a really annoying like like it, it's nice enough, but that has a really annoying bit. Oh, when the chorus, like Anthony Kiedis's melody, is just fucking stupid on that record. And again, uh, in terms of doing tributes to fallen people, well, there's a better one on this record, but also my lovely man on Blood Sugar Sex Magic is just a better song than this is. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but then you get the title track which is incredible absolutely 10 out of 10 brilliant fucking brilliant to have like two choruses you were saying about this about babylon zoo having three (laughs) one a minute it's got two choruses it's got one a minute can we get it can we get it and then standing in the frame that is fucking brilliant one hot minute may well be one of the best songs they've ever done i think yeah um and even like they try to ruin this a little bit right at the beginning where flea has like a 13 second bass intro where he forgets yeah i love that I love that. It sounds like Ms. Professor Burp's bubble works. But <laughs> it's one of the least offensive us trying to be weird bits. And it is incredibly short. So, you know, like I am being picky. But just to point out what the things that they do where they sabotage themselves on this record, that is a, a small example of one. But, you know, it is very minor, admittedly. Yeah. But that's an incredible song. Fall Into Grace, I think it's all right. Uh, surrounded by some much better stuff. I think it's good good it's, enough yeah it's falling in grace is okay but mellowship slinky in b major is a better version of falling into grace uh, well again i would actually agree with you on that there we go thank you fine but then if someone said to me what is the best red hot chili pepper song the single best red hot chili pepper song of their entire career is it under the bridge no is it scar tissue no it isn't is it give it away no is it californication absolutely not is it by the way no no it's not danny california it is the Zephyr song? 
It's definitely not the Zephyr song. <laughs> it is Shallow Be Thy Game, which is the best Red Hot Chili Peppers song ever. Number one, with a bullet, guaranteed. This is the best Red Hot Chili Peppers song. This song justifies their entire ridiculous existence as a band. <laughs> this song is fucking amazing how are we talking about this song on broken records it's mad i've forgotten we're doing broken records for a minute because this album's so good (laughs) right but we are we're meant to be going like oh what shit about this record how is this in broken records this song is it's the best song they've ever done you uh, again in our conversation pre-bloodstock talking about this record you you hinted to me that there was there was a song on here that you thought was their best song and then you kind of gave away that it was one of the last two songs <laughs> yeah so it had to be this one so, so it had transcending because transcending is really good but this is like unbelievable this song i will say I, I i certainly don't think it's as good as you think it is but i will say a it's one of the best songs on this record i think it's between this and one hot minute for me uh in terms of the absolute best song on this record but it is fucking amazing um it's one of the few times that anthony kiedis has written a lyric that i actually think is decent is actually good um there's quite a few defenses of this record um where people are like oh no anthony kiedis is singing about real stuff and blah 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 such as on uh i think it's warped isn't it no Mm -hmm. sorry yes sorry warped so someone so (laughs) this is the southampton university uh magazine article that i was referring to earlier poor guy Uh, getting a kick in uh, probably wrote this in about 2001 or something no 20 uh, september 11th 2020 um uh... the worst thing ever to happen on a september the 11th He says, furthermore, frontman Anthony Keaton... Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Sorry. That was bad. I apologise for that. that we'd, if we got sponsored by Marshall, we would not be getting sponsored <laughs> by Marshall anymore. Oh, oh, I can't decide whether to take that out or not. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, furthermore, frontman Anthony Kiedis was struggling with addiction issues that led to some brilliantly genuine and mature lyrics that are best seen in the band's first pre-release for the album, Warped. <laughs> mature my tendency for dependency is offending me it's upending me now just because he's singing about drug addiction does not mean that he's singing singing well about drug addiction that is an appalling lyric and this is this isn't actually you know this isn't the only article that's defending that and and putting that as an argument for oh the lyrics are really amazing on this that isn't that's fucking that's cats out on the mat on the hat in my fucking flat yeah yeah of course it is. i mean you don't rubbish. come to the red hot you don't come to red hot chili peppers expecting bob dylan do you you don't you know what i mean i i i like meet me at the coffee shop we can dance like iggy pop like that is <laughs> that is so bad it's good no no i think you, you, you don't I, i'm merely pointing out that there are a number of people trying to defend this record and that seems to be one of the big things that they used to defend it and it's like sorry mm. you are not helping your need... argument at all no i don't think they need to do that to defend it with with that either to be honest the reason but the reason i brought it up is is to juxtapose that shallow be thy game is one of the few times that kiedis writes a lyric where you go yeah you see you can do it you you are capable of writing good lyrics when you fucking bother and don't do all this like that dependency all that bullshit or i like dirt oh yeah or purple stain or any of that 
fucking bollocks you know but the lyrics on this record uh, on this record whoa 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 whoa, whoa. The, <laughs> the lyrics on this song shall it be thy game are fucking great and it's all like anti-religion and all that kind of stuff blah 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 and yes i totally agree i think this song is fucking awesome i, I it's very tough to choose between this one and one hot minute for me uh but i totally understand why you like it so much best head red, red hot chili pepper song ever Ooh, i'm not sure but one of the, yeah. the most underrated Red Hot Chili Peppers song ever. I think that's it's in with a great shout for that. And it's the fucking... Mm. But again, in terms of shooting yourself in the foot and doing stupid things, it's the penultimate track on the album. Like, that in and of itself is them shooting... That's fine. It, it, it's, it's the worst place that you could put arguably the best song on the record. The penultimate. Yeah, that, that is, commercially it is, yeah. I, I, let's face it, Red Hot Chili. Well, I was about to say Red Hot Chili Peppers are a commercial band. I mean, the Cox, on, the are. Socks on Cox thing, less so. But I, at this point, I definitely. I mean, it, it, it yeah, is. Yeah, they are. It is a but bonkers that, but, thing but, to do. It's a stupid yeah, move. Well, it's a commercially stupid thing to do. But you and I are not here to talk about like marketing decisions. True. Like, I think the album flows brilliantly, and when you get to that, it still sounds fucking amazing. I don't care that it's there. If other dickheads who like the Zephyr song can't be bothered to get to that album, this point in the album because their ears hurt too much, I don't like hearing babies crying. Well, <laughs> fuck them, fuck them, and their stu- fuck off to Hyde Park. You and listen, watch the Kings of Leon. You twat. <laughs> like, I don't care. Well, th- th- okay, yes, from a commercial point, it's silly, but you know, uh, uh, I would say I had never really noticed how good a song this was. And I was kind of listening out for it because you heavily hinted uh, that one of these songs was your favourite Chili Pepper song ever. And because I was listening out for it, I could then hear it. But I've like I've never noticed how good this song is before because by this point in the record, I'm just like, mm, for God's sake, you know? So, and, you know, I'm not commercially minded in any way, shape or form, as we've no. proved a million times before. Yeah, yeah, when I say, I think Mogwai Fear Satan could have been a good single. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I... I so I think I think yes, the commercial thing I do understand what you're saying, but but there is also a a you know, it's fifty five min no, fifty minutes it's an hour. It's it's roughly fifty minutes oh, yeah, right. into the record, and That's by true. that point, I, I, you know, I I didn't notice it for a long until you pointed it out effectively. So shame I, I, I think shame on me. But I think that would be a lot of people's experience. I never hear anyone wang on about shall. You're the only person I've ever heard wang on about shall be thy game. And if it Thank were, you. <laughs> and if it was track three, I think I'd hear a lot more people wanging on about it. That's just another fair. reason. Just another reason why I'm better than most people. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Mister Hill. I mean, look, yeah, like well done. But at the same, how time, great is this song? Well, it's great, isn't it? It's fantastic. So why hide it right at the end of the record? It's insane. Don't know. Don't know. Just it's them contrary, isn't it? shooting themselves in the foot, and they're not yeah, good at maybe. being weird. They're stupid okay. people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> transcending is a really good way to end the record as well. I think that's great. I, think I like it's a transcending. Slight dip down, but transcending is really good. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. Before we kind that's of about rank River the... Phoenix as well, of course, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah. like, they they do so many songs which are like a tribute to someone or something mm. like that, and more often, like, so often they're just. Uh, 
I don't want to hear Anthony Kiedis doing a tribute to Kurt Cobain, to be honest, because it sounds like tearjerker, um, which yeah. which isn't an absolute travesty, but it's not very good. And we had a little brief discussion about like you know the best songs which were a tribute to Kurt Cobain, and tearjerker is 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 not in the top ten, um, I would say. But uh, but transcending is actually yeah pretty decent and yeah a good way to end the record. I definitely agree with that. Out of ten, if you were reviewing this. What would you give it? Man, it's so hard because it's a real, for my money, it's a real roller coaster. this record between, oh my God, this bit's fantastic. Of love. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this bit's fantastic. And then being really, as I say, I said right at the top of this, it's the most frustrating Red Hot Chili Peppers record for me. Um, God, what would I give it out of 10? If I were being really kind and I'm in quite a good mood today, I would say seven. Wow. Come on, man. Uh, there's too there's too many moments where they seven, make... if you're in a good mood. Fuck <laughs> me, I don't want to meet you in a bad mood. <laughs> Fucking hell. There's too many things on this record where they make dumb decisions which bring the record down overall. There's too many of them, and and I I accept what you're saying about like if you put it in total, it's only five minutes worth on the record. I'd you know being pedantic, I'd say it's probably more like seven. Um, but they happen so often, it really disturbs the flow of the album. Like it is, it is. Even if you consider it a classic and you adore it, blah, blah, you can't. It's a flawed classic. If if I mean, it's not a classic, but it, it's it is, it is. flawed. This album is flawed. You have to admit that. Uh, yes, I think there are things about it that are um, uh, what's the word that are kind of uh, kind of charmingly naive is what I would say. That's a, that's a very nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, should they be naive at this point? It's their sixth record. They've been doing this for a while. I could, well, I could new, forgive... new new guitarists, brand new guitarists, finding their feet with a new with a new way of working. A new person is quite different. There's, whole new sound. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in their lives and in their private lives and stuff. And and, and I accept that, but I, I don't know. I think you should be a bit more. I th- I think there's. A shocking amount amount of amateur mistakes made on this record for a band who had been I was about to say have been a unit. Of course they've got a new guitarist and stuff, but a band who'd been doing it. Dave Navarro isn't some new kid off the block. He's in Jane's fucking addiction, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know. And and actually I I don't think I know we've already both said it, but I don't maybe we've not really described how brilliant Navarro is on this record. His psychedelic elements and the bits that he brings in, like a lot of it is like you've nicked that from a Jane's Addiction record, although that's fair enough because he was in Jane's Addiction. Um yeah. but you know Hendrix is fucking Hendrix. Hendrix. Like for first yeah. for the first time there's fucking Hendrix in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm ranking this album a solid nine out of ten. Absolutely, this is a solid nine out of ten, and we will come to rank it in a minute. I mean, it's like it's not even worth me telling you where I think it should go. But um, let's get to the aftermath. What are you ifing and diffing about? It's taken five minutes that you don't like, or you say seven minutes. Would you just pluck that out of the air? But like seven minutes of stuff that you don't like. It's probably three and a half of those minutes I don't mind, and the rest of it I find the other three and a half minutes I kind of find funny or just kind of sit there and wait for the good bit that's about to come in to come in 
it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It sounds like how I want the Red Hot Chili Peppers to sound for once in their life. But anyway, they agree with you more than they agree with me. But let's get to the aftermath. The band began touring the record, but Anthony Kiedis fell off the stage after getting caught up in a mic lead um dancing like an idiot and had to cancel some dates his leg was in a cast for two months after the incident they missed four months of touring so after this big long delayed family guitarist the album's out hey they're back um he had to cancel a north american tour pretty much in its entirety almost immediately when he came back having not learnt his lesson at all he tried to do a backflip on stage hurt his back had to wear a back brace for a load of shows for a massive period of time which meant again that he also fell off the wagon and um when they went back on the road he started using started drinking again and then when they had a break he had to go to rehab so did you see, he's did in a bad place read that insane story that he had to have seven shots of morphine for the back stuff because his body had built up such a immunity to um yeah. to valium or, or no it wasn't it wasn't valium was it to to uh to to, to the opiate that he was having yeah. to the painkiller yeah bonkers yeah bonkers um when the band were ready to start touring again after a seven month layoff seven month layoff after your new album comes out yeah. anthony kiedis was involved in a motorbike accident he's like mr magoo anthony kiedis <laughs> He's like you know that bit, of, you know a bit of Norberg at the start of Naked Gun where he gets shot loads and then he puts his hand on the like <laughs> stands a bear trap, puts his hand on the on the on the like hot plate, hot plate and then yeah. and then his elbow goes on the fucking wet paint and then he lands in the birthday cake and then he falls out the window and they fall. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Anakin is just walking down walking down the road, sock on his cock, <laughs> shirt off, crap lyrics coming out of his mouth. Tri- trips over a bit like fucking sideshow bob a rake hits him in the face turns around and a rake hits him in the face he slips on a banana peel what is wrong with this fucking guy you're meant to be a rock star mate yeah you're a rock star not a fucking cl- not a, a clumsy disney character like what the fuck's he doing he's like goofy <laughs> pretty much yeah shouldn't laugh about him being in a motorbike accident really but he was he's in a motorbike accident and he had his arm in a cast for another period of time when the band did manage to go out and tour with navarro navarro himself just didn't really want to tour he was very negative about the idea of playing live apparently which really pissed everybody off even when they did finally get to do dates they actually played in 1996 they played wembley arena supported by do you know they're supported by on their european tour i don't no doubt oh that'll Mm. be all right well that'd be good yeah, that'd be all right. Well, that'd be good. Well, well, that'd be good. Well, it depends. It depends if they play P live. <laughs> Are you going to let ninety seconds of a, of a fucking whole evening ruin your? I mean, if you know, if that ninety seconds is someone walks in and like machine guns down your family, yes, I can understand you going. Oh, that kind of ruined the night a bit. But if someone just plays a short song, ah, oh, no, that was the worst night of my life because a song that I don't like got played. Pathetic. I do, I do think P is that bad. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> awful. They did have some bad luck when they were playing as well. In 1997, they played the Fuji Rock Festival, uh, which is one of the last shows they did with Dave Navarro. And a torrential rainstorm battered the crowd and made it impossible for the band to play properly. Their instruments kept coming out and had to vacate the stage early. Um, and at that point, the sales were stalled and no more dates were scheduled to promote One Hot Minute. And no new material was being written either at that point they actually got back together to write in early 1998 and both Kiedis and Dave Navarro were in quite bad places concerning their drug use 
And so the band suggested that Dave Navarro go into rehab, which resulted in a massive fight. Presumably during this massive fight, Anthony Kiedis stepped on a skateboard and <laughs> like went down a lagoon or something and <laughs> fell over or got his head caught in like a fucking air vent or something. <laughs> and uh, this led to the firing of Dave Navarro. He says the decision... One reason was my drug use at the time. The other was musical differences. Anthony says it's because I tripped and fell over an amp while on drugs. Which, again, coming from Anthony Kiedis. I know, I know. (laughs) It's one of the most... I mean, there's been a few of those sort of hypocritical firings, haven't there, in in, in rock law. But it is one of the most kind of like, are you fucking kidding? I mean, most people report that Navarro was fired for his drug use, which is just like, what? wow okay Navarro said I say that he was on more drugs than me at that point we both had a loose relationship with reality who do you want to believe probably the guy who can walk down the street without getting bitten by an alligator I suppose there was a lot of chat around this time and I remember it I tried to look for some old kerangs where they were like chili peppers split because they were saying that like Dave Navarro left and they're like yeah that's it that's chili it. peppers are going to split mm. they are going to split but they didn't they made one last attempt to get back together with John Frusciante and asked him to join the band. And John Frusciante and the Red Hot Chili Peppers were reunited and uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers became the boring, bloated, hippie wankers we now tolerate them as today, post-Californication and a load of other shitty versions of Californication that have been released in the aftermath. Not entirely untrue, but of course commercially it became the the, the biggest thing they've ever been, you know? Absolutely massive in the aftermath of that. Like stadium bands, one of the biggest rock bands in the world, you know, whether you like that material or not, I like some of it, I very much dislike other bits of it. I remember seeing them at the Cardiff Millennium Stadium, supported by James fucking Brown. Uh, James Brown was far better than the Red Hot Chili Peppers that night it must be said. I know a few people who went to see the Chili Peppers with James Brown at Hyde Park Yes, and they have said that the Red Hot Chili Peppers at Hyde Park is the best gig they've ever been to and that James Brown was terrible. Proof that I shouldn't be spending time with those people. (laughs) No, that's nonsense. Okay. On tour, I saw them at Reading in 1999 on the Californication tour Um, and during this tour all material from One Hot Minute was shelved. Apart from one song, Renfrey, do you know which one song from One Hot Minute the Red Hot Chili Peppers kept on that tour? I think it was P, wasn't it? It is P. Yes. More shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally, they would play Aeroplane yes. uh, in the aftermath of, of well, in, in, in the, what are we talking now? 26 years since this album's come out they've occasionally played Aeroplane but they never play anything other than P and Aeroplane those are the only two songs since Navarro's left the band that they have ever played live they do however play the fucking Zephyr song The Stupid Cunts when asked about why they don't play more material from this album in 2014 Chad Smith said we don't really feel connected to that record anymore no special reason not to say we would never play those songs but we don't feel that emotionally connected to that music right now which leads me to believe the summation of this is the reason this record is here is because the Red Hot Chili Peppers are a bad band that made a good album (laughs) and they don't like good music and they don't like this album and it reminds them of a lot of, you know, legitimately a lot of horrible stuff that happened to them at the point. But they are a band 
who've only made one good album and because they're so shit as a band they don't even realize that they've made a good album and so they don't play anything from it because they're fucking shit (laughs) the end thanks Uh, for listening guys (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i mean i mean i I actually i agree with parts of that statement Obviously, I don't agree that they've only made one good album. Um, but no, you um, know, even I don't agree with that. Really, I'm <laughs> yeah, I was going to say but... you're being slightly facetious there. Um, but um, certainly, in terms of like, I mean, the decision making throughout Red Hot Chili Peppers' career has been really like eyebrow raisingly. Really, you're going to do that? Yeah. Um, I think the the, the, the the most eyebrow-raising decision they've made is to every year I'm like just split up and they don't do that, <laughs> and that's <laughs> what I find most eyebrow-raising about them. Um, I just I I I think yes, clearly one hot minute is in here because they hate it themselves and they hate it. They they don't like it. They don't vibe with it. Whatever, you know. Um. I think it's one of the albums... I mean, to be honest, it might not even be the album where they make the most eyebrow-raising decisions, but they make quite a lot of them quite frequently on this record, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, they spread them out on Stadium Arcade, don't they? They're over three times longer running time. (laughs) There are definitely baffling decisions made on Stadium Arcade. One of the worst funk songs they've ever written is on that album. Um, I can't fucking remember the name of it now. And they released it as a single. It's Oh, Hump to Bump. Like, what the fuck are they doing? It's awful, 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 awful song. If you think the title is bad, the song's worse. It's fucking dreadful and they released it as a single yeah oh yeah they did didn't they um Um, i'm just gonna throw this in as well i actually interviewed dave navarro last year Mm. he's fucking lovely dave navarro Mm -hmm. he's fucking lovely Mm -hmm. like he's the best like i feel like i have two weeks on the trot now i've been like he's the best guy i mean i obviously i know des from cold chamber a bit better and he is genuinely really really lovely but i had such a great chat with dave navarro and he seemed like such a you know a nice humble dude and i couldn't resist asking him about this record even though i wasn't really sort of meant to be be. doing that um (laughs) i just couldn't resist it and he was really really like oh you know all the stuff from the past is gone now i'm really proud of that record i think it's really good i love those guys and i would like to work again them with them again in the future now that probably isn't going to happen. I mean, I'd say it almost certainly isn't going to happen. Mm. But there was a little bit of me that was like, "Oh, would love, would love to see Dave Navarro back in the Chilies, and for them to actually kind of." I don't think they'd be able to do this album again, and I definitely think they'd be able to do it well. I mean, I don't think they'd be able to do anything well now, to be honest. But, um, but I don't know. It was like this is this is weird. This record because. Like it is, it, it, it's for me. It, it's the best Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like it, it just is the best Red Hot Chili Peppers record. It just is, and that's maybe because I like the heavy stuff. I like it when they're going a bit mad and and a bit heavy. That's the type of music I prefer. I prefer that to like. If you took the worst song off on this and said you can have that or or the title track from California, there's nothing. Even P, I prefer to California the song Californication. Right? Do you know what I mean? I I. That is insane, to be honest. Yeah, I hate that song. I hate it. I absolutely hate okay. it. I hate it. I hate it. Right? Mm. It's just fucking... And it's because it's overplayed, but I just don't yeah. like... You know, you say, oh, I don't think they sound good at being weird. I don't think they sound good being 
fucking boring either. Like in making these kind of like slow there is a middle ground to be had i'm sure and i think they hit it pretty well on blood sugar sex magic which i think would probably obviously you go in it's californication or blood sugar sex magic depending on your age and the type of thing you like for what is the definitive red hot chili peppers record for me yes i'm happy to concede that blood sugar sex magic is the definitive red hot chili peppers record and i think you could argue that it represents it represents what they are in throughout their entire career better than anything else they've done i think californication totally ignores i mean the only the even when they do do the little tiny smidgens of funk quote unquote that are on californication are either just they go by with nothing going on or they're embarrassing like i like dirt they're actually embarrassing the worst moments of californication is where they try to be a funk band which Mm. says quite a lot about it i mean i i I certainly like californication more than you do but this whole kind of thing of it i mean classic album i I, I suppose in many people's eyes it is and and you know it was a commercial it's one of those albums where it completely reignited their fortunes isn't it and certainly a very important album for them um but uh, you know again a massively flawed record um i feel i I was just trying to decide if i'd take californication over one hot minute or not it's actually quite a difficult decision (laughs) for me not for you obviously but not for me i think i at least at least on californication like the things that that don't work i can skip because it's usually like an entire song that doesn't work and usually on one hot minute they're like they'll put a bit into a song which is even more frustrating it's like you can't even skip like bar p you can't even skip the stupid shit they do on this record you know it's just um it's very frustrating from that point of view i don't know it's a it's a hard one for me as to like which is which is better i called i called one hot minute beautifully like wonderfully naive I think it's the heavy one and I think it's one and I think I think there's a kind of like a kind of uh, a wide-eyed wonderful naivety about One Hot Minute that I find really really um uh I was going to say sort of seductive but I find really kind of for the for the probably the only time in their career I listen to the Red Chili Peppers and I feel like I kind of like them as people. Um Californication to me is d- d- like disgustingly cynical and um and wet and overly earnest and boring and just a fucking three out of ten record all day i mean we might be going off the subjects a little bit although i don't think we're going to talk about californication much against anymore but like cynical no. I, I don't think californication would have been i don't think that was necessarily a recipe for success it ended up being one but like before it came out i don't know you know cynical is probably not the right word i didn't mean that cynical as in like they tried to go and make this album which is going to sell million. you know it's a cynical like commercial step but it's i like think some... american idiot cynical i don't think american idiot was cynical i don't think people like people people didn't want green day to do politics before like that wasn't no, what they shouldn't have wanted. done well the, the, uh, and they that's, didn't that's another debate but yeah. you know like people didn't think that would be a massive success like no, that's not no, a recipe but, for success on paper is what i'm saying and i don't think communication no, no. was either to be no no honest. no but it is like stupidly overly earnest and really kind of really kind of worthy in a just toe curlingly obnoxious way 
yeah and then and then mixed up with awful songs like purple stain and i like to yeah like like there's a weird kind of um i feel this way about a lot of red hot chili peppers records actually but you know like horror comedies which don't work you know yeah. when you try and do a horror comedy and like the balance between those things it's a very very hard thing to get right that's why people you know revere like Shaun of the dead and stuff like that when it is done well it's amazing but it is very very hard to get right i feel that way about almost every red hot chili peppers album in that like yeah one moment there's a song where they're trying to be all beautiful and stuff and 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 talking about um a a friend who's passed away who they miss yada yada yada. and then the next they're talking about dipping their finger in and winning monthly blood and all this stuff and it's just like this doesn't work guys what are you doing rubbish it's a rubbish album it's a rubbish album by a rubbish band anyway where are we going to rank this uh above the darkness or below it i'd say it's better than the darkness one way ticket to hell and back which makes it the best album that we've covered (coughs) on this podcast in fact i think i very much doubt there's anything in the hat that would that that i would want above this um well uh, this is this is an annoying thing with me conceding uh, and letting the darkness go go at the end of this list because yes I do think it's better than the darkness one way ticket to hell and back um, but I but I don't think cool. that's and it really, goes then that's, but I don't think that's where it should go uh, because I think the darkness one way ticket to hell and back should be a lot higher up the list than it actually is um, to be fair though I actually don't think like i certainly don't think this album should go very high at all in our broken records list uh because there's plenty of stuff on it that is very 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 good um oh it's quite hard i mean it's not hard Renfrey. it is hard it is hard just just let it go where it's gonna go it is hard um i kind of like I mean, personally, I, 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 I don't know. I prefer listening to D.D. King to this. I would say, overall, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. Oh dearie me! But then oh, I, well. but then I see like Babylon Zoo. It's like, well, I don't prefer listening to Babylon Zoo. To Lauren this. Hill. Oh, there you're gonna seven minutes of quite annoying stuff on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're gonna put that mm-hmm. above Lauren Hill That's speaking for forty five minutes about. That's a very good point like go and get my bag and stuff like come on <laughs> babylon zoo with their one good song which is not as good as the best song on this album liz fair there's nothing on the liz yeah. fair album that really sticks out to me in the same you know uh lou reed metal machine music what well, you want to listen to lou reed metal machine music more than you want to listen to this do you well we kind of put metal machine music there because we decided that he did what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and that Chili's definitely don't do what they wanted to do on this record, so but they kind that. of do as well, don't they? Because you, they're having their cake and eating it at this point. Because, like for this album, is mm. because you said it yourself. Well, they do do what they want to do, because I, you know, the perfect uh, symbiotic relationship between hard, psychedelic hard rock and funk is achieved on this record. So I would argue that yes, actually, this is very successful. It might not be consistently successful all the way through, but it's con- it's successful enough. It's more often than not successful. There are just bits thrown in that you don't happen to like because you... Um, that most sane people don't happen to like. Yeah. Well... Which is like... reflected in the sales. <laughs> yeah. And it's reflected... In, and also this, this album... Almost, to... This album almost broke up the band might be the closest the Chili's have ever got to breaking up in their career it's certainly mm-hmm. a contender so that would have been a good thing <laughs> so I think we have to see that as a positive if they'd split up after this album that would have been a good thing 
I'm not even joking. That would have been great. If they had split up after this and we never had to hear the fucking Zephyr song or get up a deep, a deep, a deep, deep. Like, come on. <laughs> or whatever shit they've been doing recently. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what? Like, old cunts. I think there's a bunch of songs that they have done post uh, post one hot minute, which have been really, really good. There's mm. not been many, admittedly. Mm. Uh, but I, I, Danny I think... California's all right, isn't it? Danny California's good. Snow yeah. Hey, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live without Danny California. <laughs> you don't feel like that, though, do you? It's not like they've gone. No. Oh, the thing is, no, they really need need to have Danny California. If I didn't have that song in my life, my life would be worthless. Like, no, it's a pretty good song. I think if we put uh, One Hot Minute between Liz Fair and Lou Reed, that's still very low down the list. It's very low down the list, you know? You, pe- people who feel like me, and there are many of us, are going to see you There's put that... There's a couple that, of you, yeah. Are, you gonna see, are going to see you put that above Lulu? Yeah. And they will come for you, Renfrey. Okay, that's fine. And I won't stop them. No, that's fine. And I'll explain very calmly and methodically why they're, why they're wrong everybody's lo- rocking by neil young yeah but good that's troll the best, that's the best troll of all time yeah but you won't actually listen to it no but it's a good troll but we're, we're but we're, as we have done with these records we're we're, we're trying to consider contextualize everything yeah i get it i get everything, it you know we're gonna contextualize everything okay i feel very upset about it because i would have done this for classic album well, I feel very this upset record. that the darkness is at forty-eight, which is insane, in my opinion. <laughs> so there we go. Well, then let's put this here. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you can't say that the darkness is better. Again, self-portrait. Bob Dylan self-portrait. It's not good. It's no, all right. it's not very. Yeah, there's it's not loads very of loads of much, much more bad shit on self-portrait. Double album, loads of bad live stuff and boring, weird covers of shit that you don't want to hear Bob Dylan doing. They do, but again, you talk about fucking seven minutes of an hour-long record that, you, cont- that annoys you. But you're not contextualizing. I am. I am. I am contextual. I am saying also. Yes, I know. Bob Dylan invented the B-side album with that, and it's like it's kind of throwaway. So it's it's not. Whereas this was like a problem for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I get it. I get it. But I just think in when when all that is the record is so strong as a record. That it's hard to go, well, as a record. I don't record, think it's as strong as you're letting on. <laughs> it me. is. So it I've is. listened to it five or six times. It is. If you said to me, pick your top 50 albums from the 1990s, and that seems like quite a lot, but the 90s was great, this would be in it. It would be the only Red Hot Chili Peppers album I would even consider being in my top, like, I top 40. We get my top 40 albums in the 90s. Okay, good for you. But, you know, I mean, that's not a, that I... Yeah, no. No. <laughs> it would be in yours, but it but it, it wouldn't be in many people. So I think the people who defend this album are very vocal, but I don't actually think there's very many of them, let's be honest. I think we We're had better. one person uh, echo your sentiments <laughs> and say, oh, I can't wait for you guys to do the best Red Hot Chili Peppers album, which is clearly just someone trying to... Trying to look up to you <laughs> no no someone who's got good taste no 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 this is a th- yeah all right but look i'm going to concede it's a taste thing it's a taste thing because yeah, people fair. like i i like sort of hard rock funk i want the chili peppers to sound like wild hard rock funk stuff and i understand i'm in the minority because most people want them to sound like boring tofu simp- simpering shithead 
faux fucking sanctimonious fucking hippie shit. Right, I get that. Like most people are boring twats, and they like the red hot chili peppers because they're boring, boring twats. So fine, it's they, just a tasting. I think they are better at doing so. That stuff that you're just describing, I think they are better at doing the scar tissue thing than they are at doing this weird you know like it's almost as if they're trying to be face like face no more are good at being weird and odd you know and but the red hot chili peppers just aren't good at that at all i think there's quite a lot of evidence that they are on this record the weird stuff i'm i'm I'm... well maybe not the really really weird stuff is obviously not like but it's it's that is so fleeting you're getting in like you're getting super anal about like a couple of little bits anyway look but 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 it's constant throughout the record that's the problem you're constant throughout the record (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm gonna put it in between i don't want to talk about this anymore i'm annoyed um i'm gonna put it in unbelievably i'm gonna put it in between liz fair and metal machine music i don't mind i you know there's a lot of other stuff that happened it's at number 44 out of 49 (laughs) like come on that's quite fair (laughs) it's the best album we will ever do on broken records okay like it should be bottom as if i mean core i tell you what if you think when you think i'm gonna let chinese democracy get away with all the shit that Chinese democracy the is going to get away with. The darkness is there. So darkness that Chinese is great. democracy would go under... No, it's no, no. The, the darkness is no. not a great record. And all of you I'm people... I'm not saying Chili Peppers people, is better. All of you people have been saying, oh, it's almost as good as permission to land. Fucking wash out your ears. That is a dreadful record. It's awful. It's not a dreadful record. That is a mm. mad thing to say. It's a I'm great going, record. I'm going a little bit OTT, but it's certainly not a great record. It's it's a very yeah. it's a humongously flawed record. One way to I think humongously back. flawed is a bit harsh. I think it's a flawed. it's a seven out of ten record. And Red Hot Chili, and you know, but if if one not minutes going here, fuck me. When when we do get to guns, well, let's see what we get. Let's see. Maybe we'll pull let's it out right now. Yeah. Shall I do that right now? Mm, fucking bang on about what Justin Hawkins has wronged you in a previous life. <laughs> to be fair, I, th- I think I'd probably give the same score to One Way Ticket to Hell and Back as I would to One Hot Minute. So, But I prefer okay. One Hot Minute, definitely. Well, next week's going to be fucking very, very interesting. It's another really, really big one. Cut the Crap by The Clash. Wow. Okay. Woof. Okay. Yeah. Which is... That is fucking shit, that record. Okay, <laughs> to be okay. fair. Oh, all right, good. Oh, I look forward to slagging off The Clash next week. Brilliant. <laughs> First time on any podcast that we've spoken about The Clash, and that's the fucking record we're going to start with. What a shitter. Such a great band, and yet... Ugh. Anyway, um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Hey, to the few people who, like me, love this record i'm sorry i'm sorry it's ended up in the embarrassing position that it's ended up in and i'm sorry that it's here at all but what can i say the red hot chili peppers are you morons and scum it, you put the list together you have no one to blame but yourself we didn't have to do this it needs to be in here because of everything that surrounds it the context surrounding it it, it, it is a record that people dislike I agree. and, well, and, and that, the they context ha- surrounding it it's that's where it's that's why it's where it is all go. right fine yeah yeah that's fine all right anyway see you next week everyone we'll be back and we will be talking about the clash which should be interesting yes bye now <laughs>